Welcome to Two Gals in a Glass Half Full. We are Dr. Jess and Dr. Bobby, two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time because moderation is key and doing our best to see our glasses as half full. Some days this is much harder than others. So um, we typically like to interview others that are more knowledgeable about us, um, about things we don't know. But today I'm excited because I actually get to interview Dr. Jess on something that I'm not so experienced with. Um, so very excited about that. But first, Dr. Jess, what is in your glass today? Well, I'm still working on my smoothie this morning. So um, it's I've got uh, some dark fruit in there with like um, some blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, uh, a little bit of banana, and then protein powder, microgreens, flaxseed, chia seed, and uh, some homemade uh, cashew milk that a friend makes for me um, and shares. Cool. So it's a, it's a nice like pack of nutrients to um, get me through. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. We just have a station in the house where I just have everything ready to go. So you just like take it down, add everything and, and keep on going. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Uh, I just got water. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's keeping you hydrated, which is important. Yeah. Little ice. And I do tap water from the sink. Little ice open up the thing uh, out the door ahead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be fancy with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are in breast cancer awareness month and uh, that's one of the things that I really enjoy talking about because in my practice uh, working with individuals that have gone through or, and are going through breast cancer related treatment is one of my subspecialties. And the reason why I got started in this is because when I was a when I was a new grad, I didn't realize how much intervention individuals go through when they when they have breast cancer. Uh, sometimes it's just a lumpectomy. Sometimes it's lumpectomy and mastectomy. So mastectomy just meaning like the entire breast is removed versus a lumpectomy, meaning that they're going in and just um, you know taking out whatever is the tumor, maybe it's some tissue around that tumor. Um, and sometimes it's both sides, right? And they might have a bilateral mastectomy, meaning both breasts are removed. Um, and then and then we have reconstruction. Um, sometimes there is reconstruction, sometimes there's not. Mm-hmm. With different kinds of reconstruction, all of those are different surgical procedures. So think just surgery itself. Just that itself, there can be all sorts of um complications with healing and things that can be just normal things that happen after surgery, uh, you know, shoulder range of motion, all sorts of um, issues with the lymphatic system. And it was just like this complexity that I just, I didn't quite appreciate um, until I had a patient that I was co-treating with and the therapist that um, I was co-treating with, she had to go on vacation and um, there was an individual bilateral mastectomy and she had had uh, no reconstruction and had uh, uh, chemo and radiation, but this was seven years um, prior to me meeting her. And she had no idea that that help was available for all the tightness that she was experiencing in her chest. Um, she had mid back pain, she had a uh, limited shoulder range of motion, and then just had a hard time taking a deep breath and was just really pulled in from all of the scar tissue. And then all of the what's called radiation fibrosis that can happen to the skin after radiation. And so when I, um, I was helping with some of the myofascial techniques that I was trained in, when this therapist was out of town, 
And so when she came back, she was like, so like how, you know, how was, how was everything when I was gone? And I was like, she never got help seven years ago. She was like, I know. I was like, well, don't they like, why not? Why? Like, (laughs) this is so straightforward. Like you have scar tissue restriction. I mean, of course you would go to physical therapy. And she was like, no, no. And, and this, this individual that I, that I treated with was a breast cancer survivor herself. And so she had a huge passion for it. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, what? Like, we have to get the word out that like, you don't just have to live with this because she would find her patients typically via word of mouth of like, oh, you need to go, you know, see this person that I know uh, because she helped me. And it was all this kind of like, you know, underground communication instead of it being like above water. Like, what if in our healthcare community, we talk about after breast cancer and you have surgery and scar tissue restriction and all of these things that can happen to your lymphatic system um, that can put your system into a state of stress. What if we used physical therapy to help with that? You know, uh, we're not treating the the cancer. That's why I tell people, I'm, no, no, no. Like <laughs> they do that. All, all of the steps in place, obviously is all cancer related. We work on like function and getting you back to like living how you want to live, you know? So, uh, so that's kind of my why, like, why did I get into that? And, um, and then moving forward, it's the, you know, there's just a lot of training you have to go through to be able to treat that. So, um, so my training first was in uh, manual therapy certification, which I did through University of St. Augustine. And with that certification, it, uh, I had extensive training with myofascial techniques, which just means getting the skin above the muscle layer moving, right? Then if you're going to really work with this population, you have to have a good understanding of the lymphatic system. So then I got certified in being a lymphedema certified therapist. And then from there, I went into oncology training. And so with specificity to breast cancer. And so um, it was a bit of a journey to get to, to where we are now in order to be able to treat orthopedically what happens, but then also from um, the oncology standpoint, just better understanding reconstruction and radiation and all the different things that can happen after chemotherapy, things to be aware of, you know, um, things to screen for. Um, so there's, it's a good bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I'm super excited to interview Jess because this is not an area that I have any knowledge of. And as I hear, you know, talk with others, there's, I'm like, ah, what is that? So maybe can you start? And I know it's hard to be brief with this because the options are endless, right, but just right. give us a general overview of like what the patient may go through and what options they may have that you are aware of with treatment prior to them even coming to therapy. Um, Cause I know I've heard of flap, no flap, uh, you know, like all of that type stuff. Those are words that I'm not familiar with, nor do I have any idea what they mean. Right, right. Yeah. And I think like the the first thing is almost anybody that has the diagnosis of breast cancer is going to uh, typically have surgery of, of the tip. That's a very typical thing is that you have surgery. So that's the lumpectomy or mastectomy. And then when we talk about flap, that's a type of reconstruction. So they can do reconstruction in uh, in a way where they take the, it's like the adipose tissue or that fat tissue in your abdomen. And it's, it's a pretty complicated surgery because they keep all the vascularity and they just move it to reconstruct the breast. So there's no implant. So that's, um, so that's, that's one surgery and they do that here in Jacksonville. I've, I've had some patients that have, have done that and have had really good results. Uh, the other option is that they put in an implant 
And so there's different ways of how they put in that implant. So they may use part of the latissimus uh, dorsi muscle in order to create, um, you know, some help for holding the implant in. So that's going to be that flap that you're talking about. So that's a lat flap procedure. Um, okay, your lat is the big muscle on your back, kind of like right. on the side, on the back through there. Mm -hmm. And so part of that, it's like any surgery, like any surgery we ever have, your body has to heal from that. Right. And so with this type of surgery, what can complicate that is that oftentimes what they'll do is they'll go in and they'll test a couple of the lymph nodes. So they'll remove them. Okay. So it's called a sentinel node biopsy. And so when they remove those lymph nodes, that puts the lymphatic system into a bit of a stressed state. And so that's in combination with scar tissue muscles being not super happy about the entire um, procedure can lead to uh, that stressed system. And that stressed system can limit range of motion in the shoulder. Okay, so they cause shoulder pain. You can have uh, the development of swelling and that swelling can get, um, there's always going to be swelling after any procedure. That's just normal. But if your body doesn't have the right balance, that swelling can remain. And then that could turn into an impairment called lymphedema. And that's where you don't have an adequate amount of function out of that lymphatic system to clear out the fluid that's going to constantly be circulating throughout the body. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, another thing that can happen is called axillary cording. And so that's where some of the lymphatic vessels, they become fibrosed. Nobody really knows exactly why that happens, but they get stressed and then they get fibrosed. And so when the person raises their arm, you'll kind of see oftentimes this cord. Um, mm -hmm. It can be down into the, um, it can be down the outside of the, um, the breast area and into the chest. Um, that's not as common. It's more common that it comes into the arm, but you can usually see a band. So if you tension the skin and you just kind of pull that skin away from the armpit, you can usually see the band start to stick out. And mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, right there. It just hurts right there. My arm, when I'm trying to raise my arm overhead, that's typically axillary cording. And that's a sign that the lymphatic system is in a stress state. So you're and then the, the skin towards the elbow and kind of stretching that the yeah. arm underneath the area. Yeah, it's just a self screen, you know, mm -hmm. and it's what I do if I'm looking for it. I just tension the skin, and then you'll see that band like pop out, and then they're like, "Oh, that's right where it hurts," you know. And so it's like, okay, that's you know. So again, it's just me kind of understanding what's going on here. What are we dealing with? Um, how many things are we dealing with? And then we can make our plan, you know. Um, and then the other thing that can happen is called myofascial pain syndrome. And so, and that's where we develop trigger points in the muscles around the surgical site. This can happen at any surgical site. Like it could happen after like a, a you know, the shoulder repair. It could happen after anything. It's just the muscles, they might just get into this like stress guarded state. And usually it's like, we're kind of protecting the area. And as we do that, the muscles start to create trigger points or these knotted up areas. And then that in turn creates pain. So now it's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, I've had patients so many times where a, uh, a family member will come in with them and they're like, no, you tell her, tell her what you're feeling. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. I just, you know, I had breast cancer and, you know, it's just my, it's just my arm hurts a little bit, but I, I had breast cancer. Okay. What the cancer's gone, right? Yeah. Okay. So all the imaging, you just told me, confirm that we're done. They, they got, had clean margins. You got through chemo, right? Uh-huh. So why would your arm still hurt? 
Oh, because I had cancer. <laughs> now the <laughs> cancer's gone. Going on in there. Yeah, the cancer's gone. This is just a po- this is like any surgery. Like right. you could have scar tissue restriction, like the muscles get kind of mad. And especially in this case, it's that lymphatic system stress mm-hmm. um, that can happen. And the easiest way to understand the lymphatic system is we have circulation throughout our body, right? So our heart pumps blood, okay? And it goes through the lungs to get oxygen. It's like, yay, 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 now I'm oxygenated because the oxygen is the, uh, the what the muscles want to eat that gives them fuel so they can work. And so they're like, okay, great. Now we pump that oxygenated blood throughout our body because if I contract my muscle right now, it needs oxygen to do, to do what it needs to do. That's its fuel. That's me drinking my smoothie. So, but when it's done working, now it's like, now we have what we call deoxygenated blood, but that's not the only thing that we have circulating throughout our body, right? We have little cells that break down a little bit here and there. We have um, bacteria that we're constantly fighting. We've got all sorts of stuff that is cellular activity in our body that also needs to clear back to the heart. Well, the veins are like, if we think of a highway, we're going to be really, really, really specific with this highway, right? You know, there's that fast track lane that only people <laughs> with a special pass can go. And there's even a barrier, right? Like you yeah. can't just go into that lane. I mean, you've got to be special. Um, that's the veins. So the veins are real bougie. They will only pick up that carbon dioxide, which is the byproduct of a muscle contraction. Everything else, any other bit of cellular debris, anything that's gunky, rides along in the lymphatic system okay so we've got the electric cars over here and then we've got everybody else with like stuff smoke is coming out the back right we're over (laughs) here okay so that's your lymphatic system right so the bougie system the electric cars they can go straight back to the heart and dump that dump that back in because it's clean okay everybody else you got to get cleaned up okay you can't be going back (laughs) into the heart like that that's gross okay So those are your lymph nodes. So your lymphatic vessels feed into the lymph nodes. So think of that as the toll booth in the highway, right? So you have to go through that toll booth, no ifs, ands, or buts. And that's in that toll booth is also like, you know, like a little car wash, you get all cleaned up and then you keep on going. All right. When they take out the sentinel node, they're taking away one toll booth station, Mm -hmm. same traffic, same amount of traffic, traffic didn't stop, actually traffic increased because you're post-surgical, right? So right. now you've got all these cells right. for healing, right? So now we're putting a, a more kinds of stress on the lymphatic system. We have post-surgical edema, which increases the load or the amount of traffic on the highway. And we just lost a toll booth worker, okay? So that creates stress to the system. And that's where we start to see a backup of traffic, which is normal after any surgery. That's why after surgery, your knee swells after a total knee replacement. It's not a bad thing. The swelling is not bad typically, but when you've impacted the lymphatic system, it could turn into dysfunction. Now, um, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, like you don't really hear about lymphedema as much with other surgeries or other, it's very, very popular breast cancer. And does that have to do with the proximity of the lymph nodes to the area or removing lymph nodes? They're actually removing them to test them to see if they have cancer in them. Yeah. Because they have to. 
I was going to say, is breast cancer more likely to spread to that area? Yep. Is that why they're testing them? Okay. Yep. So they, so they're going to take that sentinel node first, because if it's going to leave the breast, that's typically where it's going to go first. So if they take the sentinel node and maybe a node or two around it, and they test it, if it's negative and there's no breast cancer in there, they're pretty sure that it's just confined to the breast. So that's how we, that's how not we, but that's how they determine this, like uh, how, how, how much are we dealing with here? Mm -hmm. You know, if it's positive and there is breast cancer in the sentinel node, they typically will go in and, and remove some more nodes to get an understanding. Did it go past the sentinel node? And now is it in other nodes? And so that's what's called an axillary dissection. So now those toll booths, say we have typically, let's say we have 40 toll booths. Well, they might remove 20 of the toll booths, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. now we're post-surgical and we have half the amount of toll booths that we used to. So see where that amount of traffic can mm -hmm. really start to get backed up. When that traffic gets backed up, that's the swelling that you see in the arm. Mm -hmm. Okay. This happens after abdominal surgeries. Like if somebody has cervical cancer, you know, any sort of GI type cancer where any, it's typically cancer because they're looking for the lymph nodes because if the cancer spreads and it goes to the lymph nodes, same thing with like a head and neck cancer, they'll look at the lymph nodes in, um, in the uh, cervical chain. So uh, I yeah. like orthopedically, so we talked about the shoulder uh, yeah. commonly impacted after breast cancer and after surgery. Yeah. Um, what, um, so I know lymphedema, you're, you specialize in it, you've been certified to treat it. What yeah. does that all entail and how will that help the patient, um, you know, control and maintain use of their arm? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the lymphedema itself, <clears throat> that's non-painful. It's just a, it's a backup of swelling, uh, now the swelling could happen in the breast. It could happen in the arm, typically with breast cancer. The issue with lymphedema is that it's, it progressively worsens if not treated. So it can go from just a little bit to like a very large limb. And the minute that, and when that limb gets too large, you're more prone to skin infections, which is cellulitis, which can land you in the hospital. And it's like, it's, it's a whole cascade of things that can happen. It doesn't need to, it's, it really, it's, it, it's not hard to manage. It really isn't. Um, currently there's no cure. Uh, for lymphedema. It's, it's a management type of diagnosis. Uh, there are surgeries out there, but they still currently aren't curative. Uh, but maybe in the future, you know, hopefully that would be yeah. great. Um, yeah. So the management, what that looks like is first, you've got to figure out how much swelling is there right? Um, so if it's just like, so we do what's called a total limb volume measurement. So we'll measure the volume of one arm and measure the volume of another arm. And so we just use a tape measure every four centimeters and go, you know, measure up the arm. And then I've got a formula where we calculate the volume of that arm. Um, and then we compare that to the other side. And so if the best best case scenario is that I have pre-operative measurements, um, that's a wonderful thing because we all have a dominant arm. Mm -hmm. And so if my right arm, which is, I don't know if you can see, but look at my right arm. See how much bigger that is compared to my left? Yeah. It's because this is my dominant side. So it's, I use this hand so much. This one is like, oh, it's like, oh, are you still attached? You know, like <laughs> I use this one so much that I've developed more muscle mass in that arm. 
So now if I measure this after surgery, I could think, oh my goodness gracious, like there's a 5% difference in this arm when really there isn't. It's just muscle mass, right? So ideally I could get those measurements. Oftentimes I don't, uh, just because we're still working on that communication with pre and post, you know, all that. Um, so one, if they, you know, if they're listening to this and they are looking at going, is that something they could proactively do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Establishing with a physical therapist that's trained in lymphedema management, uh, pre-surgery is one, you develop trust and rapport prior to surgery, because when you're post-surgical, seeing a familiar face is just nice. It's the same thing with like any major surgery, doing a little bit of prehab can really develop that trust and that foundational relationship and really understand expectations after surgery, um, because surgeons aren't the ones there after surgery. They'll do some post-op visits to check in, but they're not there for the nitty gritty day to day. Like it's, it's just different. And so having somebody to develop that relationship with is going to help with recovery so much. And it's going to help the individual know what's normal and what's like, wait, this is too much. Like this isn't okay. Um, you know, like I should, like, and somebody to validate that, you know, like, yeah, we need to figure this out or this is, you know, there's so many things that, that having that person to help you with recovery, to make sure that you have the, the fastest and most, the best recovery possible. Uh, Cause we never like, don't sell yourself short. Like there's no reason to have any limitation physically after, you know, like mastectomy, surgery, radiation, like you should recover normal range of motion and strength. I mean, that's just is. Um, so I think believing that sometimes you have to have somebody tell you that. Otherwise it's like, yeah, I mean, I had breast cancer. So like, it's okay. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> no, uh, that's not okay. Don't accept that as normal. Um, so, um, so first it's like, we've got to see how, how, how advanced is this right now? And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's just a matter of, hey, uh, we know you're going into radiation. Let's put you in a compression garment, which is just like a sleeve. You put it on your arm and just gives it a little hug um, because we know you have a little bit of tendency for swelling. uh, So we'll proactively help you as your body is going to go through more stress with radiation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's not that bad. Right. And then we might not need a compression garment at all. Like we might be able to get the shoulder moving normally. So think like if I have a physical restriction, right? Because my pet got tightened because of, you know, just guarding after surgery. Plus if we have radiation that can thicken the skin and it can kind of create some tightness through here. And then my, with the muscle under here is called your subscapularis. That one gets really tight and that's an internal rotator. So now my whole shoulder is going to kind of move a little bit forward into internal rotation. And then I get into this guarded position. Well, now I'm expecting to have good flow through here, right? Well, that doesn't that doesn't work mechanically. That doesn't work. So it's just like we're kind of tightening down because all of this vasculature is coming up from the arm into the armpit and then coming across, you know, and then coming going back to the heart. So um, if I can open up that shoulder, right, and really get all of this moving well and get you recruiting through that shoulder blade very well, teach you how to use that diaphragm for some breathing, which is great for that deeper lymphatic chain, then like you might have, you might find that homeostasis without compression. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's really swollen and big, then we typically will do one of two things. We'll do graded compression bandaging, which is where we actually like 
start at the fingers. We do some finger bandages and then we wrap all the way up the arm sequentially with bandages that look like ace bandages, but they're different than ace bandages. It's called a short stretch bandage versus a long, like a long stretch bandage. It's just mm -hmm. safe to have on long duration and we'll apply graded compression. So more compression is here, less is up here and we get that fluid back up. We combine that with a technique that's called manual lymph drainage, which is a soft tissue technique where we're doing some skin stretching to stimulate the lymphatic vessels to pump at a faster rate. Um, we combine that with some skin care and some exercise. So it's called complete decongestive therapy. And that way we can get the size of the limb smaller. Mm -hmm. So that's phase one. If we have a large limb is we've got to decongest it or get it smaller. Phase two is where we maintain that. And so how we maintain that is by wearing a compression garment, typically, whether it's just during the day, a glove, maybe no glove, sleeve, you know, maybe nighttime, maybe not nighttime, maybe a pump, maybe not a pump. It all just depends on severity um, and, and how we can keep that refill. So um, once the lymphatic system is not functioning where it should, right? So a normal lymphatic system will function here. A normal load is here. So I can fall and break my arm. And I can still have swelling and I won't have a major issue. You know, I can still handle that. But when we remove lymph nodes, we decrease capacity. So then once load surpasses capacity, then we have swelling, right? And so there's, that's where it's like, we've got to like find a way to balance that out. So that way you can still not have a bunch of swelling left in the arm. And it all just depends on the individual, how advanced it is, how long it's been going on because uh, that swelling turns fibrotic okay so like if it stays there for a long time untreated it becomes harder and, and harder to move um, and then that you know so then there's other ways that we try and get that moving um, but um, so yeah so that's so that's lymphedema it's nothing to be scared of it doesn't hurt um, if you see somebody with a sleeve on their arm that's usually what they're managing is lymphedema um, so it's like it's nothing nothing scary. It happens in the legs. It can happen in the face. It can happen in the torso. It can happen in the breast. Um, anywhere throughout the body, you could have a condition where there's just an imbalance in your ability to uh, drain all the fluid that's constantly circulating. So that's, um, that's lymph. Um, and if someone is looking for like a lymphedema specialist, what are kind of like ways to know if the therapist truly is specialized in it? I know you have some initials after your name that support it but also right. like what are ways people can know that it's not because it is different you know than me I have other specialties but I don't right. know about lipidema I'm not I haven't been trained in it right so yeah so you need to work with somebody that has CLT behind their name certified lipidema therapist so that's like number one now the issue is is that just because you're CLT doesn't mean that you truly understand the post-operative healing that needs to happen after breast cancer or, um, you know, and all the other things that go along with it. So it's not as a matter of just like, oh, let me just wrap the arm and send you on your way, you know, and like not moving your arm. Like you really should have, you know, call the clinic and say, I really would like to understand, you know, what your credentials are to be able to treat somebody after breast cancer or who's currently going through breast cancer. And they should be able to say, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, you know, I've done my training, like I did mine through PORI, which is a, um, they're, they're, they've, 
done a ton in research with with the breast cancer world and oncology um but it doesn't have to be pori i mean anybody that's like has that training in oncology plus lymphedema and ideally they are comfortable working orthopedically with the shoulder um and it's not like you just can't wrap it up and like leave them here like Mm -hmm. it's like they should be able to tell you yes i can help you regain your shoulder range of motion yes i understand from the oncology perspective what you have gone through so that they can adequately treat the radiation fibrosis, have the understanding of if you went through chemotherapy, what to be sensitive for and um, everything that goes along just with the reconstruction itself. You know, like there could be all sorts of complications. Any surgery can have complications. So you want to work with somebody that's like ready for that and recognizes it and is on it quick um, and the lymphedema. So so that's like, it's, I, I know that's a lot of training to look for and to ask for, uh, but like, these are the questions to, to be asking. Um, it's, it's not like, don't sell yourself short. Um, do your research, get on Google, search lymphedema therapist in your city. Uh, there's a, um, something that's called the National Lymphedema Network, NLN. Um, you know, you can look on there and see if anybody's got their uh, information on there. You can look on, and I'll put all of these in the description below as well. Uh, Pori is who I did my oncology training through. Um, they have a, uh, on their website, anybody that's done their training, they have them listed. So, um, so that can be helpful because you can do like, you might work with somebody, but then do telehealth with somebody else that has a little bit more experience that you can ask questions for, you know, Mm -hmm. why not, you know, like get some strength in one and then, and then work with somebody else and Hey, say, Hey, like I, you know, I know you don't have the training in oncology, but you have the training in lymph. Like, would you be okay if I do some telehealth with this person that has oncology training Um, just so they can have that like person they can ask questions to? Um, It's your health. Like talk to as many people as you want. I mean, that's how I am. I'm going to like spread the net. So many people are scared to ask for a second opinion. And I'm like, you know, it's, you don't, you don't go paint your house and ask one person for a price, you know, like you ask two, three people and healthcare should be very similar. And you should feel comfortable with who you're talking to and that you're not going to hurt their feelings. It's not about feelings, be respectful. um, But like, they should be listening and understanding that like, I have patients all the time. They're like, Hey, I really want to talk to so-and-so over here at this, you know, big hospital because of this particular Mm -hmm. name. And I was referred to them. I'm like, absolutely. Go see what they have to say. You know, Um, I I love that. I love that you're doing your research. That's not going to hurt my feelings. Right, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes uh, meeting of the minds is way is super helpful. You know, yeah. have someone else's perspective, someone else's opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, co-treatment is great. Right. Yeah. Well, Jess, thank you so much. Um, Absolutely. Thank you. I. It's definitely interesting, interesting mm-hmm. to me and everything like that. So, and I hopefully it helps a lot of people with a little clarification on different things and what's available to them. Yeah, and point somebody that's a friend or family member in the right direction right? And say, Hey, maybe you should go look, talk to somebody like that arm doesn't look like it's moving. Well, I see you wince when you move it, you know? So help them out. Yeah. All right, everybody follow us on social media, hit subscribe so that you see the updated and newest information that we have out there. And um, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.